Hi, and welcome to Talking to Artists, a casual weekly conversation where artists share their inspirations, process, challenges, and business ideas to give art lovers and aspiring artists a peek behind the curtain. I'm Kate Taylor, full-time Canadian artist and your host today. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. It's another lovely Thursday. The day is beautiful, so I am uh, deciding to project in my outdoor studio again, not at the cottage, back in the city. I'm trying this new format, so I'm really hoping that uh, I'm not coming across sideways. What I'm trying to do is uh, kind of more of a landscape portrait as opposed to portrait. Let me just see. Uh, can somebody tell me if you can see me okay or if I'm sideways? That would be super helpful. Oh, Lisa sent in a request. So she's, Lisa, can you just uh, let me know if, you're, if I look sideways or not? You are sideways. Damn it. Okay, hang on a sec. I was reading and they said that uh, Instagram is now doing it so that you're not sideways, but I must have had to set a new something new. Anyway, sorry about that. Another screw up in the world of Kate Taylor's digital. Anyway, I just wanted to say welcome so much to coming and joining me again to Talking to Artists. This is actually my 11th session, so that's kind of incredible. I never really thought when I started this that it would become something I would do regularly, but I'm really enjoying it and I'm really enjoying going through and reaching out to artists that I have admired from afar or seen done shows with or just watched on Instagram that I've never really had the opportunity to talk to so this has been really great so the goal for talking to artists really is selfishly gives me the opportunity to talk to some really cool people and learn a lot but it's also for artists to be able to share their inspiration some of their tips and tricks and some of the background of the business of art and how artists actually get the work out there into the public and, and how they kind of share that joy and hopefully make a living at it too. And it's also designed for collectors who can kind of understand a little bit more about the, the world of art and how things happen beyond just being able to see this beautiful piece that people produce. It's some of the inspiration and the work that goes behind it, which I think is helpful. So I am just going to invite Lisa. I'm super excited. All right. To talk to Lisa. As many of you probably know, Lisa and I, I've known Lisa for over 10 years. First met at the Riverdale Art Walk. Hey, how are you? Hello, good morning. Good morning. So I was trying to do us sideways. We'll have to figure that out next time. I could have joined you sideways. <laughs> well, I did a whole, whole episode upside down once. Actually, that wasn't so cool. <laughs> so I'm just going to do a bit of an introduction about you and about us. So I met Lisa first time, I guess, in 2009 at the Riverdale Art Walk. She doesn't remember me because I was a <laughs> she was She really had her shit together. She had lots of people around. She was selling stuff. And I'm like, wow, she's a, I love her work. She's a cool person, I want to know. And we are now part of two abstract art collectives, Solid Color with Karen Taylor and Color Shift with Santa and Lamb, Mike Smalley and Karen Taylor as well. And those collectives we started to be able to start to do other shows. So I think we could probably talk a little bit about the benefit of that. And I'm going to have Karen Taylor on later because she really was kind of the, the owner of those original concepts. So anyway, and also Lisa and I share a studio together. So that's been super fun too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I need to just clear something up here. 2009, maybe I looked like I had everything together, but <laughs> I think that was my absolute very first show ever. Really? River, yeah, Riverdale Art Walk. I remember moving to Toronto from Vancouver and I was just wandering Leslieville and saw this art show and I thought one day I'd like to be a part of that. And then the next oh. year I had applied and I got in. So it was my first show ever. It was so exciting. So I think what you were seeing was probably more nerves than confidence. <laughs> well, you know what? I do remember and now I'm very familiar with the Hickey clan that comes in en masse yes. to support every single show you do. And it was my first show as well. And it's funny because I remember being 
totally overwhelmed and it was absolutely a case of fake it till you make it right it's like oh, yeah yeah totally totally i'm a professional artist i'm comfortable with my work i can talk yeah. about it <laughs> exactly but, and you're right i do have the most supportive community around me of friends yeah. and family who come in from hamilton caledonia all over the place every show yeah. yeah the only problem is if they have the same last name as me when they make these comments online everyone can tell them <laughs> so <laughs> well, at least one of them is like Hick, so maybe it's just like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's not Hick, Hick, maybe it is. Yeah, we got to get together. It's been over a decade. Come on. <laughs> well, that's the advantage of being Taylor, right? It could be anybody. Although everyone <laughs> thinks we're sisters, right? Like with Karen Taylor and I, people are like, are you guys sisters? I'm like, she has a Scottish accent. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're not sisters. We're close no. friends. <laughs> so that's weird. Two Taylors and a Hickey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, you're obviously at Art Alchemy now, so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what you're working on, what you're inspired by. Yeah, sure. I'll apologize for the shaky camera work. I'm, I'm doing my own camera work today. So I'm just uh, You need a tripod. Yeah, I know. I'm in the middle of my little creative zone here, my studio. So I'll flip the camera around. I've got lots of, wherever you see red, that's a canvas that's been primed and ready to start working on. And then I've got some finished things on the wall, some in progress. Oh, that's cool. Bit of a mix. I, I work in acrylic and oil sometimes together, sometimes separately. And this big guy down here is a big commission in progress. Oh, so lovely. Very, very early days. So yeah, this will change a lot as the days go on. But that's what I'll be diving into as soon as we're finished here. Got yeah. my palette, beautiful view of the CN Tower when you can see it down there. I think you can see it. Yeah. And then yeah, just all the junk and stuff that comes with your studio. And turn around so they can see where my studio is in, in relationship to that. Because it's been really great being in the studios together, obviously practicing all of our COVID uh, distancing and stuff. But so being able to kind of... Here and then, you know, painting, painting, and then there's Kate over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do a quick little tour, Kate. Okay. Just, just a quick one. This is so just, just across the hall here, and here's Kate's studio. Yeah. So it's, um, it's actually quite awesome walking in. And there's some of Karen's work. Yeah, her new so, stuff's really cool too. So it's quite awesome walking in in the morning. This is my first time. I shouldn't say first time. My first time ever sharing a studio was last year, two years ago, with the amazing mural artist, Monica Wickler. And oh, we, wow. he shared a space. And that was my first experience with walking into another studio and seeing someone else's work not really knowing how it's going to affect you and then seeing it come out in your paintings. And yeah. it was incredible how Monica's, even though we didn't work in the space together, just she's a street artist. So she's got, you know, racks and racks and racks of beautiful, vibrant spray paint. Mm. And so I just had all this beautiful palette of spray paint that I looked at all the time and her colors came out in my artwork and it was just awesome to see the impact. And I'm finding that here. Yeah, me too. And I really, I love that. Like, I love to see, I think it's really cool to see how, how things, how pieces work. Like, you know, your own process and you know where it goes from beginning to end and how it goes through that awkward teenage stage in the middle sometimes. <laughs> but it's really cool. It's really cool to see other people's processes and how that also happens, which I think is really exciting. You know, and, I was just going to say being in this space with you guys has made me realize how much sitting and looking I do which at first I was kind of self-conscious about because I'll just sort of be sitting in my, here, I'll show you. This is my new favorite uh, studio chair here. So, <laughs> so I'll just be sitting in my old chair and I almost want to wear a t-shirt that says I'm actually working. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I just posted something like that a couple of days ago because I was working on that big 48 by 60, right? And I'm like, I'm getting so close. I don't want to kind of ruin it. So you do need to spend a lot of time sitting and thinking about it, right? Yeah, taking it all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I agree. Yeah. The, the, other thing I'm, the other thing I really love, like, I mean, one of the reasons that I started Art Alchemy is because I was really missing that energy of other artists around. And artists that you could, like, you could have a long conversation about the benefits of green gold yeah. <laughs> that you cannot have with anybody else because nobody else cares, right? <laughs> I was like, is it Liquitex? Do you use gold and do you use TriArt? And I, I think that was lovely. Oh, you know, that's, that's whole. Yeah. When I started out, I had no idea where to ask those questions, right? I, mm -hmm. I ended up putting out a call on Facebook and an artist out in Vancouver, I was in Toronto, answered. And I, you know, I got to ask questions like, you know, what do I paint on? Is it okay to paint on a canvas you buy at an art store? Is that what professional artists do? <laughs> you know, you just have no idea. So it's amazing being in a space with other people where you can just bounce things off of one another, you know, yeah. including, does this look finished? Should I stop? Am I going to ruin it if I keep going? Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's critical. It's one of the things I think is really, and I know people who know me know this is my rant that I do all the time, but I think it's really unfortunate that you go to art school and you pay money to be in art school and you learn how to be an artist, but they teach you nothing about stuff like that. Like really to come out of art school and not be confident about what kind of materials professional artists use or how to promote your business is atrocious, right? Oh, Hence yeah. this video series really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've often, I know we've talked about it. I've often thought, I wonder if I could draft up a curriculum that's just like, how to get started and actually trying to make a living as an artist. Not, yeah. that, not that I'm a pro, but there are such simple things, like you said, you just don't learn, you know, you know, right up into including doing your taxes as an artist, as a self-employed yeah. person. What can you write off? What can you not write off? Actually, that would be a good person to have on here, an accountant for artists. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. my goal on this too is obviously it's, it's to talk to artists that I really love and admire, but it's also to provide a bit more of the business context, which, you know, the artist network does to a certain degree, which I think is a super valuable resource for all artists. I believe all artists should be members of the artist network. I'm biased though. I'm the chair. <laughs> well, works the first but, that I did join and March, the, I believe she was. March Gregoroff, I think was the chair. The chair, yeah, at the time. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. She invited me to her front porch and basically walked me through everything I needed to know to get started. And I, I wouldn't yeah. be here if it weren't, weren't for that guidance. Yeah. I feel like that with Christopher Hayes. He's unfortunately passed away now. But I went to a town hall meeting. I just joined. Went to a town hall meeting and didn't know anybody. He really kind of took me under his wing. And he's just like, well, this is what you want to do. These are the shows you need to do. And this is how you get to contact them. And this is how you do your portfolio. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I just, that's so amazing and so helpful. That's what this community's like. And that's, I mean, Karen Taylor, <laughs> she, I mean, she basically got me, I had no confidence to join the group. And I, she asked me to join, you know, the- Oh, uh, solid color. Yeah. I was like, no, I basically said no. And she was like, no, 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 you'll join. And, and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll and, have fun. And, you know, and then she, she's been there since the beginning to answer questions and talk oh, about yeah. and stuff like that. The community is- pretty awesome around Toronto, I'd say, or I don't know, Ontario, what is it? Yeah, I would say probably Ontario. Like I know I probably get emails or calls from artists actually across the country, probably almost weekly from people. I don't know how they find me, but on everything from like doing work stuff internationally or shipping work or whatever. And I think that it, it's nice that the community can to do that. And I think within the artist network, there's the internal member page. Yeah. A lot of those things are due to, especially during COVID, it's kind of like, where are you getting your supplies from now? Like, you know, what's going on? And how do you get your panels made and what's the timing like? And I think that all that stuff, which is the nitty gritty of actually being able to create is critically important. Yeah, absolutely. Or how about this one? I've run out of white paint. Can anyone loan me some? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. 
real. It's real, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, and that's certainly challenging. I want to go back to a little bit of art alchemy because I know that one of the things that, you know, so it's based on obviously my sister's art alchemy and Comox, Courtney Comox. But one of our policies too is that not to comment on people's work yeah. unless asked, right? Which I have a hard time with that because I always... I'm a talker, so I'm always vocal, right? But I think that it, that's also another important part of it. It's important to have the resources there when you really are kind of stuck and you need a fresh set of eyes on something. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it can be a detriment if you're in the middle of a vision and stuff and someone comes in and comments something halfway through, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's never easy to get, not harsh criticism, it's never easy to make something and then hear someone say, you're not quite there yet. But when you're ready ask for that criticism it's so invaluable you know yeah and it's also hard to get that from other people like I find that when your family's like oh it's beautiful it's like (laughs) that's not what I need I need constructive criticism like this part's working this competition looks awkward maybe a little more green gold over here like specific right that can actually help you move forward and you can choose to accept it or not but I find that that's the other valuable thing is actually getting feedback from people who are who only have your good intentions at heart I mean they don't Ultimately, they're not trying to sabotage you, but they're able to to sort of hone in on something you can't always see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the policy of not commenting is easier with constructive criticism. Sometimes it's hard not to walk in and go, wow. That's (laughs) true, yeah. (laughs) I know. That's where I have a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's always welcome. (laughs) So the other thing about Art Alchemy for you is that I want to talk a little bit about kind of like pivoting within COVID and stuff because everybody has has had to do that. But I think for you, it's kind of forced you to be a full-time artist. Like you're always working full-time in terms of the hours, but now being able to really dedicate your time just to art, right? I mean, it's been, I'd say, the scariest slash most productive (laughs) um, couple of months. Gosh, almost going on six months now, really, right? I know. Yeah, crazy, huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. So I've always kept one foot in working in and around hospitals. And luckily in the last several years, that's been in the form of of an artist. So I've worked for, it's called the University Health Network, is it? University Health Network, uh, specifically the Bito Wellness Academy as an artist working with folks with dementia and Alzheimer's. And that's, I love that work. It's, it's incredible work. And of course, when all of this started happening, those programs had to be shut down and they haven't started up again. All of that was terrifying, along with having all of our shows canceled, all of our galleries closed. But having this space to come to, we were able to work it out sort of scheduling wise to be able to be here alone and still use our studio space has been so amazing. I've had somewhere to come almost every day at some point in the day or night to make art to get away from the apartment, you know, in those four walls and to come from to this space has been unbelievable and to dive in full time, which is something I've always wanted to do, but is so hard to do, as you know, making a living as an artist, especially in Toronto is just such a daunting, challenging prospect. Well, especially Um, at the same time when all of your usual vehicles of selling are kind of being cut off at the knees, right? Like... And I know it's been so immobilizing for so many folks. You know, I know a lot of artists who just haven't been able to create. It's just been too scary. And for whatever reason, my little creative engine kicked into, you know, fight or flight mode, I think. And I just dove right in. And I've been so productive and creative and inspired. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful because I can completely empathize with the I'm frozen. I I can't create right now. And that's Mm -hmm. 
marvelous place to be. So I'm grateful. I've been productive. I feel like I've taken a few really big creative leaps. Yeah. My work. And the work the work is beautiful. Like it just glows. Like it's so happy. And I think that's exactly what people need right now. It, it a huge privilege to be able to come into the studio every day and dive into the same work has just propelled me in a way that I am so grateful for because Previously for me, I'd come, I'd work for, you know, eight or nine hours, and then I wasn't able to get back to the studio for three or four days. Yeah. And restarting and getting back into it was this torturous kind of like procrastinating, sweeping, washing thing. I, I prefer to call them rituals. <laughs> oh, yeah. My ritual, <laughs> yeah. God, my rituals before actually picking up a paintbrush were taking yeah. more than the actual painting. <laughs> yeah. So being able every day I am able to just dive in seamlessly and it's awesome it feels so good well I find I don't know about you but I I can't paint for eight hours so if I do a day like that which occasionally you do when you're like up against a tight deadline I'm just exhausted the next day like mentally and physically oh and yeah. so it's kind of it's nice to be able to like I find with this especially when you know we all have a whatsapp channel so we all know who's going to be in and who's not you can pop in for a few hours and then go out again right and just really yeah. feel like your time there is really productive yeah for sure, yeah. I've de discovered lately that I work in spurts, so I'll get so much work done in an hour, an hour and a half. And then everything around that is, you know, this fun stuff like peeling, uh, peeling and scraping palettes and- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> doing edges. <laughs> yeah, doing all the edges, exactly. All of the sort of more monotonous stuff that just has to get done every day. I'm almost grateful for it because it gives you that mental break. You don't have to be creative. Yeah. But the reality is it's all stuff that needs to be done. Right. So, yeah, totally. So that part of it's good. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is originally, um, you know, when I kind of conceived of the studio, I was going to put in Wi-Fi, so you could, you could potentially go online and look for inspirations and stuff, which I never do anyway. So I don't know why I thought I would want to do that, but, but ultimately I decided not to. And I'm so glad because for me, it's the draw is always, well, I have to do the business work first and the computer work first before I can allow myself the pleasure of being in the studio. Yeah. And, not having that option really uh, in the studio has been so freeing. Oh. Once oh, I'm okay. there, I can focus on the work. I'm so glad there's no Wi-Fi here because you pick up your phone to call someone and next thing you know, you're online yeah. for hour. So yeah, exactly. grateful. Let's never get Wi-Fi here. No. <laughs> Despite your best intentions, you end up doing other things. So yeah, this has definitely become just a creative zone, which is so nice. Yeah. So now that all the shows and stuff have been kind of postponed, what's your, how do you, how are you going about the business, your business of art or how are you getting new business or contracting people? Or That's a great question. I don't have a single answer. I think for me right now, I'm hearing from folks who have come to shows over the years. I've even heard from folks who maybe met me five years ago at a Riverdale Art Walk or, you know, Toronto Art Art or, or whatever show I may have done. One of a kind. I, I started one of a kind two years ago. And I've had so many people reach out and say, for the first time ever, we're not traveling. I have a minute. I have a blank wall. We've been wanting, you know, a painting. So it's been previous, yeah, previous shows that are really starting to show up now. People from previous shows. I think people have a break right now in a way, some people, yeah. um, where they're not traveling. They're not hectic. Even certain frontline workers, you know, there are some nurses who have reached out who usually they're incredibly busy, you know, at their normal job, but then they go on vacation in the summer and then they're just back. And right yeah. now they might have a break where they're staying at home and they want to beautify their home. So 
I'm grateful for all the previous shows because people are showing up out of the woodwork, out of the blue, folks that maybe I haven't even seen for six or seven years. Yeah. Well, are... I think it's also, I think, you know, they've sort of done a lot of studies where kind of the whole creative process really helps people process grief and, and stress and anxiety and stuff. And we're seeing that with a lot of the YouTube videos. But I think there's also something about working with an artist to produce a commission where you kind of feel there's a bit of creative collaboration. It's probably um, really good for the soul for people too. Yeah, I, I, uh, I hadn't heard about that, but that resonates with what's happening. I have way more commission requests right now than I've ever had before. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it's folks who want to really collaborate with me. It's not just a, you know, I'd like this size. It's much more of a back and forth. Um, yeah. I've got to admit that has always terrified me. It's, it's just such a different process working with another person's creative vision. So it's always been really scary for me. But throughout the last six months, there's been some amazing folks who've stepped forward and wanted to work together. And they don't see it as working together. They see it as like, I'm going to ask you to do this thing, but they've got these beautiful ideas. Yeah. Um, and it's been awesome for me. I, I have been pushed by some of these folks so far out of my comfort zone in terms, <laughs> in terms of size. And the results have been really exciting. Yeah, you know, I, th I, think that, I, I think that's the case. I think that makes it really fun, right? Yeah. I mean, to be able to kind of go back and forth. And I always find that the interesting thing, though, is to try and figure out, because people aren't used to, most people aren't used to talking artist language or artist talk, right? So you have to have this translation between what are you telling me and what do I think that you're actually saying so I can actually execute that into a piece that you're going to love. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you say fun. I say terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I've been doing a lot of commissions for the last seven years, seven or eight years now, so I'm, I'm more I, comfortable with it now. I liken it, well, I mean, honestly, every time I stand in front of a blank canvas, it feels like standing on the edge of a cliff for me it, it does like I I've never and I think that's why I love it because it gives me this feeling almost like a jittery okay I'm gonna you know cliff dive into yeah. this lake <laughs> it never feels comfortable it never feels repetitive or mundane it, it always feels terrifying and and like the most exciting paintings like this one for me right now is at that really exciting part where I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the jitters when I start to work on it and I'm gonna to have to make myself stay in front of it because I'll jump up, I'll walk away. I've learned it helps to do like jumping jacks or something, <laughs> doesn't get out and try yeah. to stay focused. Um, and commissions almost do, uh, do that double time. And I'm learning to try to harness that and enjoy it, but it's still very scary. <laughs> well, and I think I wanna go back to something else that you were saying too, is that, uh, cause I'm finding I'm also doing quite a few commissions and a lot of them are people have, who same thing have been following me for years. Right. And I think it's the real importance of doing those shows. Like people that kind of say, oh, well, you know, I did uh, our walk in the square once and I only sold one piece, so it's not worthwhile. And it's like, but the real value is not actually what you sell at that point in time. It's the relationships you build and the database you build and the communications you have for years. Oh, so yeah. when people are ready, you're in their, you know, you're kind of top of mind, right? And oh, I think a lot of artists forget yeah. that piece of it. Oh, it's so true. I had one woman approach me and she said that she'd had my, one of my paintings from one of the shows and it was six years ago as her screensaver for six years. <laughs> and that was, you know, to remind her and then, and they'd been saving and they were finally ready to take the leap. So yeah, you never know. I mean, I think I can't speak for other artists, but I have certainly had shows where nothing sells um, yeah. and it's really hard not to let that bring you down and make you question everything. You know, if I ever have a show like that, I, I will spend, the next couple of weeks just feeling like what am I doing you know oh it's funny because I I then leave my tent to go and talk to all my friends 
which is also yeah. not really helpful. Yeah, and then <laughs> any potential sales that would have walked by. This is yes, I know. <laughs> I didn't say it was smart. <laughs> so I'm just trying to move my camera because of the sun. It's such a spiral. So it, it's not, oh man, if anyone is watching who's considering it, it's not, wow, it's not glamorous, is it? We yeah. lug a lot of things around, up and down stairs. We pack cars. We Lots of schlepping. Yeah. Put up lots of tents. We are hammering yeah. and puttying a lot. And yeah, yes. it's a very it's a very physical job. I think people don't recognize. I just wanted to talk, share one other commission. Uh, just we were talking about longevity. I did I do a show, the North Toronto Group of Artists show, which is a really small show, like twenty artists, twenty one artists. And I had this woman come to me last year, and she's like, "Okay, so I've been saving for three years. I put a down payment on my condo. I got the keys on the condo on Wednesday. Now it's Friday. I'm ready for my commission." Right. Oh, and she was the woman that we remember we worked together and she came in the studio and she loved your work too. So she actually bought some of your pieces as well, which was another major benefit about sharing studio oh, space, oh, right? Gosh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's so cool. That's so cool. And yeah, I mean, right now we don't get to bring clients in here. You know, it's not the bustling space it used to that's be. That's right. Hopefully that was, was in the olden days. Yeah, in the olden days, it's so amazing <laughs> to be able to bring people into a space and say you know, check out this artist and I'm sure you've seen this artist and, and folks generally enjoy it as well. Right. To be able to just, Oh yeah. Take it all in. Well, isn't it a little bit behind like peering behind the curtain, right? Like, yeah. Cause normally people see artists when they're presenting their final pieces. Right. And they don't see kind of the work in progress behind the scenes. And I mean, how much of us love those, you know, how stuff works or how things are made. Yeah. And that, it's the yeah. same sort of thing with bringing someone into a studio. So I think this COVID-19 lockdown time, has been amazing for all of the arts in terms of folks bringing their their cell phones in and making time-lapse videos making behind yeah. videos everything right theater musicians we're getting to see all my favorite musicians i'm getting to see them play concerts in their living room it's so cool yeah. you know and, and i'm i'm so nosy too one of the things i love about that is like what do you have on your bookcase what kind of yeah. art do you have on your walls <laughs> it's so interesting to see how they really live hey that's Cool, um podcast yeah what's on your book bookshelf i like that what's, <laughs> yeah, what's on your record player what's in your tape deck <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> anyone help <laughs> that would be dating us a little bit i think <laughs> <laughs> where's your eight track girl <laughs> <laughs> listen everything old is new again <laughs> yeah. so what do you have coming up then what do i have coming up i have i am um, applying for online shows i've been i've been hesitant to do online shows i haven't done many and i'm going to dive in and do it i'm going to apply for art walk in the square today it's the deadline if anyone else wants to apply that's um, right remember yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's juried so people know yeah juried can apply today i'm assuming till midnight i'll be submitting mine at 11:59. that's <laughs> <laughs> not to because we've had challenges with our website so it's not that reliable um i've been really hesitant to do the online show thing just because I'm not an online person, I, I, I don't love scrolling around online, but what I'm realizing is people are stuck at home and they need yeah. to, have to scroll online. So in this case, it's not a bad thing. It's a positive thing. It's a window into another world for folks. So I'm going to dive into that. I'm going to take that on. Well, and I think the reality too is it's going to become, it's been sort of, people have been gravitating towards online shopping for a long time. And I think artists have been pretty reluctant to actually join that. Yeah. that sort of wave and I don't know if it's because there's a fear of technology from an artist's point of view because our work is so very tactile or yeah. whether or not it's a little bit of a conflict between 
being a true artist and being sort of inspired and then also selling out by selling your work. Like, I think it's a weird, there's a weird mental thing that happens, I think, with a lot of artists. Yeah. And I mean, even just time, you know, like it takes a lot of time to set up online stores. It takes a whole other, I mean, things are getting easier, but it takes a whole other set of brain cells to be able to tackle the yeah. dip. So it's daunting. Um, well, and the level of organization too, right? Like, cause if, especially if you're on a couple of overlapping online stores, you want to make sure you don't have duplicate work you accidentally sell twice but you only have one piece you know, like yeah. all that stuff i and i mean perfect example i was working on a commission that i just wrapped up last week and of course it, it came in at the beginning of all this so a few months ago and i've been working on it and sending videos doing things like this with with the collector videos so they see what's going on step by step lots of feedback lots of interaction and she came down from waterloo to pick up the painting and when she saw it in real life her first thing that she said was oh my god it's so different in real life and i like it so much more in real life and oh good I, <laughs> that would be I, horrible <laughs> the, that's always the thing for me is that online is such an incredible tool but it's so different in real life so it's it's almost like yeah. I, I want to embrace the online tool. We have to embrace that. But I mean, nothing nothing beats standing in front of a piece and seeing it in daylight. And Oh, absolutely. Plus, I think people also, they want to know the artist. I mean, you're going to an outdoor show because you want to talk to the artist and you want to understand the inspiration. You want to have a, an emotional connection to the person who's created the work, right? Yeah. So I find for me too, it's a huge challenge because my work really, no matter how well I photograph it, it doesn't really yeah. reproduce very well digitally. And and very bit what happens is that people will maybe like the work, they'll come and see it in real life. And then they're always like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you can see the wood grain. I'm like, that's a <laughs> yeah. huge part of the work right? yeah. <laughs> that you're uh, missing because it's just, you, I can't photograph it well enough. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the nice thing now it's summer, we can meet up with people outside, you know, so yeah. if someone's close enough, it's nice to meet up outside and to just look at the texture, look at the colors, look at the wood grain. Yeah really get the tactile experience. But then again, there's a whole bunch of people out there, collectors who are very comfortable just buying online, sight unseen. And that's, yeah. I mean, it just depends on your comfort level, right? Yeah, and I think the other thing that people artists have to remember too, is that like we had, I think we had a couple of people from the Riverdale Art Walk online store who purchased who were actually in the US. So all oh. of a sudden your reach expands exponentially beyond the people that are in the neighborhood that are coming to see you with an online store, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, or, yeah. True. I see there's a question that's come in. Should I read that? Oh, sure, yeah. Diana, Diana Wilkes, artist. Can you discuss the reveal with a commission or online sale? How do you handle that tense or exciting time? Hmm. How do well, you? I can, I can talk a little bit to that because I actually work on, you know, I have a zero risk commission policy. So, and I still am doing that. So if people don't totally love the piece, they don't have to take it. And I'm really okay with that. And I'm finding that it's those micro expressions when you first look at it that you have to be really aware of. And I think that that's really where you start to kind of know, okay, I feel like you like it, but you don't quite love it yet. Or else like, oh my God, they love it, right? Uh, it's usually, usually if they love it, that's easy. If they're not, if they're unsure, that's really where it's more difficult. And I delivered a commission to a woman and we did the sidewalk. We were on the sidewalk exchanging this art, right? So right. she had on a hat and a mask and sunglasses. And I'm like, I have no clue. I have no clue. She loves it. She hates it. She's like, fuck, I just wasted all this money. It was yeah. so weird because that's oh, so important. Yeah, different times. I delivered a commission to Jeffrey. I'm sure it's okay that I say that. And it was right at the beginning of lockdown. We've been working together, you know, doing this commission. We made this plan that I was going to drive in. And it was right downtown, sort of right in the core of downtown to a high rise. And he was way oh, up. Right. And it was so funny because it was right at the beginning and we were also unsure of everything. So I had my mask on and 
I turned on the street, a little side street, quiet side street we were supposed to meet on, and there was all these cops. So for the first time in my life, <laughs> I had to text a collector and say, I don't think we can meet here. There's too many cops on the street. We might get caught. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be caught fraternizing. I know. Because, you know, all the store at this point, all the stores were closed. Everything had shut down. Non-essential businesses were closed. And I, it just occurred to me, oh, my God, maybe this is illegal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's a weird thing. I, well, I, the, other, the other thing I found, too, is that I, when the first lockdown happened, I had a lot of people go to my, I've got my little treasures are all online, my six by sixes. And so they actually are for sale online. And I had a number of people bought them from San Francisco and the UK and stuff like that, which was really cool. But same thing, you're doing these, I remember trying to figure out how to do this Skype call because I need to see her color of her couch, which apparently was pink. And she wanted to make sure these pieces of art matched. And you're trying to do all that stuff. And then you finally ship it. And you're, there's a little bit like, oh, I hope she loves it because it's, yeah. gone now right like yeah. you kind of I would never want someone to have a piece they didn't love but it's just so hard I mean I think that's the biggest I, I guess we haven't totally answered Diana's question I think the biggest fear is always they're not they're not gonna love it I mean what I'm learning is that you can always usually get to that place where someone falls in love with it it just usually takes a yeah. little bit more work a little bit more communication something that I do Diana is that I generally work on two or three and so that might seem excessive. If someone orders, for example, a 24 by 48, I will work on two 24 by 48s yeah. with that palette in mind. And what I generally see happening with myself, which is hilarious, is that on one of those, I'm really nervous and I'm thinking about what they want and I'm you know, holding my breath. And then on the other one, I go nuts and I'm creative and it's great. And so somewhere there's a bit of a balance happens and I get to be creative and I get to relax and then yeah. they they get to have a choice. I have. Yeah, I, I, I often do that as well. And I think that's one of the reasons actually that I offer a zero risk commission policy yeah. because I don't feel like I have to be compelled. Like I, it's almost like I do the thinking, I listen to what they want. I put the colors on the palette that I think I'm going to use for their piece, but then I can just go crazy. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of the day, I've had some too that have turned out completely differently from what they've asked for. And mm. I send it to them. I'm like, don't feel you have to take it because it's different from what you asked for. But yeah. a lot of times it's captured the energy of what they're looking for. Yeah. So often they do like it and they do want to buy it, you know, it so you up, you don't feel like you're connecting the dots or coloring in a coloring book. You feel like you're able to actually just relax. Right. Plus the other thing too, is at the end of the day, even if they don't take it, you know, you have a piece that's strong and you know, it's something you're, you're, you're happy with. Right. Because I think that's the other part too. When I first did commissions, I was trying to work so hard at delivering what they said they wanted, which I now learned isn't actually what they always want. But then with a piece that felt really tight and I'm like, so that, entirely was a pretty unpleasant experience. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's make it a fun experience. Not even a creative experience, right? I think that's why I always had this distaste for commissions because it feels, yeah, it just doesn't feel creative. So that's my way of being creative. So Carolyn, I've, I've never kept track, but what ends up happening for me is that they end up balancing out and I end up being able to relax with both of them. It's the very start that's hard for me. So yeah. In the end, they both end up being creative. They both end up being nice and loose. But in the beginning, mm -hmm. there's really a tight one. There's definitely one that's more relaxed. They balance yeah. out. I, I find with the commissions I do as well, especially the ones that are in person because they're way easier than, than kind of really remote ones, is that I involve them in the process really early on. So for me, the background and the wood grain is a really key part of it. Yeah. So I, we will often talk about colors and I will actually often bring that to their space. I mean, well, pre-COVID, that's what I would do. <laughs> it's a bit more difficult now so that they could actually see it and have commentary on it. And then, 
because of the way I do the palette knife, once the color's down, I can't pull it back. I take it to about 80%. So it's kind of like you can get the general idea of the shapes and the colors and the flow of it, yeah. but it still allows them to have a little bit of feedback. And I usually go in there with some of my thoughts of what I think I'd like to do next. Yeah. I'm finding by that point in time, they're so invested in the piece and they feel like it's already theirs and they have ownership of it because they've been part of that creative process yeah. that it's very, very unusual. I think I've only actually had one case in like eight years that it oh. hasn't worked out. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do the same thing with commissions in terms of no obligation. I mean, I think probably the worst thing to imagine is someone having a painting in their house that they don't love. <laughs> and what a barrier to even starting a commission. Like if yeah. I was a customer, I'm like, yeah, I really like this person's work, but I like that piece. And this actually happened to me because I have a piece of David Greaves, which I love. And I, we saw a piece of the Toronto Outdoor, loved his work. Yeah. It was already sold. So I said, well, can you make one? And so, you know, as an artist to artist, I felt I was pretty able to articulate what I wanted and he was able to understand it, but he brought two or three pieces over to the house and the energy just wasn't the same. And I was starting to feel like, I feel like such an idiot because I love that piece, but not these pieces the same way. And then the next year for Toronto Outdoor, he sent out a postcard and the painting was about this big, it was tiny, right? And I called him up. I'm like, yep, that's it. He's oh like, it's a five, it's a five foot painting. Are you sure? I'm like, I'm so sure. Yeah. That was the feel. Yeah. And so that's why I kind of thought if I, as an artist can't always articulate, what yeah. I like and what I don't like about something. How can I expect somebody who doesn't have that vocabulary to share that information? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, that's the one type of commission. The other type, of course, is the, you go for it. I trust you. I love your work. Yeah. This is the size I need or something like that, right? And that's always yeah. fun to just have complete creative reign. But that, that can be equally as daunting because to have no parameters is, ooh, that's, that's sometimes equally as daunting. But Well, it's daunting when you think that you kind of, your, your intuition says, but they're looking for something specific. They don't yeah. want to say that because they don't want to hamper the creative process. But on the other hand, they have some sort of expectation. I think that's where it can be difficult, right? It is sort of a bit of a head game. But I mean, this, yeah. I mean if I'm getting something creative out of this time, it's to just try to get out of your head with it, you know? I was listening to Art Juice, which is a great podcast. And uh, one of the things they were talking about is exactly that, like when to get into your head and out of your head. Yeah. And so what they said is, um, you know, you're in your head outside your studio and you're out of your head in your studio. And I think that I've really tried to do that. And that's why, you know, you, you read the documentation of what they want and you think about what you're going to do and you put your palette down. And once that's done, you get out of your head. Yeah. And you just work intuitively. Yeah. I... So again, not having Wi-Fi in the studio, awesome. Um, <laughs> and I got a great set of headphones, and a great set of speakers. So my number one way of just diving in is definitely to put on music. And that gets me in the zone, I think, quicker than anything. So yeah. it's, it's kind of cool. One of, the, one of the collectors, I sort of posted something, I think, about how it was actually this piece here that this one, this one, I'll turn around. This one I painted listening entirely to the whole retrospective of the Tragically Hip. And it's called oh. Morning Moon, you know, one of the oh, Tragically that's great. Hip. And it was kind yeah. of cool because the folks who were interested in it were like, we love the Tragically Hip. <laughs> and that's the other thing I want to talk to you about, because I love your names, your naming conventions for your pieces. And that's so hard to try and find names for art, right? And then after a while, you realize, oh, I'm kind of running out of yeah, good names. Oh, yeah. There's only so, so many fall leaves, right? So... Well, we yeah. talked earlier about what's on your bookshelf. So I don't have much of a bookshelf here, but I credit Tom Robbins and even Cowgirls Get the Blues and so many other of Tom Robbins' books. He's a bit of a poet and uh, almost, I, I've got it written down in here somewhere. I'll see if I can find it. Almost every line in some of his books, I just write down. He's so poetic. So yeah, I've been, my whole last series was entirely 
based on lines from Tom Robbins' books. I'll see if there's a good one here. The Ongoing Odyssey of Water. Spring was turning the pages, right? Just poetic life. Yeah. So the latest book that I read that I thought, oh man, those are beautiful. Uh, I think it's called Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh yeah. Oh man, just about every line that that woman wrote could be a title for a painting. Just <laughs> unbelievable, so evocative of light and nature and forests and green. So yeah, I realized that I'm really good with paint. I'm not great with words. So I looked at song titles. I let, I let the poets do that and I credit them on the back of the painting for sure. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, cause I think for me too, I feel like my titles need to be, because I'm inspired by nature, I feel like there has to be some sort of a nature connection, but yeah. yeah, like you're saying, there's only so many descriptive things you can, especially with abstract, I find that people need some sort of a, a way yeah. to sort of start to navigate the painting. So to call it, call it something really esoteric doesn't help them to understand the work, right? Yeah. So, but then equally, I don't want to have like pink rose, purple flower, you know, but it's kind of, it's becoming like, so I kind of tend to go into like lavender morn, wisteria morn, you know, like it's kind of, I feel like I'm naming streets in a subdivision or something. Here's all the names. You do kind of run into trouble. I have this with some of my earlier work when someone might write you and say, I'm really interested in fall leaves. You know, it's the one that has the light coming through the branches. And I think, oh, can you That's like 95 pieces. <laughs> send me a screen capture. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did that too. When I first started, I had a series called Summer Rain, which yeah. I really, I did a lot of them because I was really inspired by trying to capture that that lightness and that to me, it was the warmth and the smell of the rain. And then I had a woman come and she's like, so you're named my painting Summer Rain 4, but I can see there's a Summer Rain 4 that you did in like 2010 that was like, looks like this. And I'm like, holy cow, like she's oh. gone through my website and knows my work better than I do. So I'm like, oh, sorry, but that's the, that's the 2017 version of Summer Rain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Summer Rain 4 Part 2. <laughs> that's right. Hence, we should have, I guess, a better database system. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually tracking our art names. I'm other side of the brain thing we were talking about. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I know it. I've, and I always start a system because I know art, art, art Archive is supposed to be a really good system for that. But of course, it only works if you're actually diligent about putting the art in it and updating it, which since I can't seem to do my own spreadsheet, I'm not sure I'd be more successful in that. Yeah, I mean, my system right now for divulging all is that I usually take a picture of the front and then I take a snapshot of the back. <laughs> yeah. and I have a record of what it looks like and what it's called and that's just pathetic yeah. right well then the challenge becomes and where is it well yeah yeah you know my sister just called me the other day because she's in of course in Vancouver and I keep some of her paintings in Toronto so we can kind of you know get them into Toronto galleries and stuff like that and she's like yeah I just sold this piece off my um off my website and she goes I don't know where it is so she's like do you have it in Toronto <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I did. It was all good, but it was just so hilarious, you know. <laughs> lost one painting. There's one painting in my database. It's from about seven years ago. I have no idea where it is. It's not a big painting, but there is there is a painting in my life that is somewhere in the world, and I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I have those I ones too. Up at a gallery somewhere, or. Well, like I had that one of yours, the golden one that I had picked up from because it fit in my car. Yes. And then for some reason I had it in my house for about six months and I was, felt I really was compelled to give it back. I don't think he even knew I had it. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> large. My yeah. car holds a maximum of a 48 by 36. And the golden one that you had was six feet by five feet. Yeah. So 
it kind of lived where it lived. You know, if someone picked it up for me, they were stuck with it. I don't know if I told you that before you picked it up for me. <laughs> it's okay. I enjoyed it. That was lovely. I could probably could have sold it a couple times, actually. <laughs> well, the good news about that painting is, is that it really recently sold to a family in Port Severin. So it lives in Port Severin now. Oh, lovely. That's one of the other practical things about being an artist, because my car was stolen, you know, about a month ago. So I had to buy a new car. And it was all about, like, measuring the size of the door. Like, can yeah. I actually physically get the art in the car? Yeah. So all these car dealers thought I was a nut job. Because, like, do you want to see the specs, the leather interior? I'm like, nope, I need to measure the size of the door. <laughs> I used to be able to hold a 5 by 6 painting. Yeah. So I, I now can do 48 by 72. Awesome. In right. this car. Yeah. I'll let the carpenter know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have been known to, uh, especially to Cabbage Town, the Cabbage Town Art Show, which is one of my favorites, and I live nearby. So driving over the Bloor Street Bridge, being that guy who's got my arm out the window, holding my paintings as they're sort of billowing on the Bloor Street Bridge, I have been known to be that guy. I've got a vast, vast yes. bungee cords. <laughs> I, I have that too because I did a. Uh, it was a seventy-two by seventy-two canvas. And same thing. And it was like, it was only a couple of miles south. So I'm like, okay, to rent a van and everything, it just seems like so much work and so expensive, right? So same thing. I had this and it was like going really, really slowly. <laughs> 72 inches is a big piece. Oh, yeah. That, that can get a lot of wind. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that can go on a whole other podcast is just what nightmare stories have you what had? What not to do. Yeah, exactly. Tornadoes, rain, lightning. Oh, my God. I've learned over the years that my paintings are resilient. They're very weather resilient. They are. <laughs> yeah, my resined ones are, but um, it was interesting because I sort of discovered Art Walk in the Square a couple of years ago. We had like tornado warning and then torrential downpour. And that's when I realized that I had one that was not resined, which I don't resin everything, but it was actually vulnerable. So it got rain on it and the rain stained. Oh, so now I seal it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, my God. Lesson learned. It was kind of a drag because it was quite a big one. Oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's... I actually had planned to take this year to take a step back this summer anyways, to get out of the, I don't know, I don't want to call it a grind, but to get out of the cycle of shows, I was just feeling a little bit, I wanted to feel more inspired, less like I was constantly working for the next show. So I had actually planned on taking a bit of a break. I had a trip to Newfoundland planned with the artist Lori Ryerson. I had all sorts of little retreats planned and little ways to be creative. So that's had to be re kind of rejigged so that those creative places are here in the home and in the studio, not Newfoundland, not other places. And the thing that I haven't missed this year is being out in the elements. I'm sort of mentally noting when the shows would have been and thinking, oh, wow, it is raining. We would have been out in the middle of the park, you know. I don't miss that. But the thing I'm really missing is all the artists. I'm missing oh. all the people who aren't necessarily in my circle, but I see them several times a year. Yeah, I know. Me too. And I actually don't even, frankly, mind the elements. What I just hate is the schlepping. I'd love to hire yeah. somebody else to get my tent and my panels and my grids and everything from my car into the tent. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I find sometimes when you have those outdoor shows and it's a torrential downpour. And I mean, you've done this because we were at Riverdale and you had people trapped in your tent because it was so oh. bad. And you sold work, right? Yeah. I've done the same thing. So it's like, you know, there's a selling opportunity everywhere. <laughs> so again, back to not being glamorous, right? I remember yeah. one of people being in the tent for just being stuck for like 10 minutes 15 minutes and by the time they left they had fallen in love with a painting I had to run up to the front and get a clear plastic shower curtain I think or something like that you guys were giving out plastic shower curtains to to protect the painting so I wrapped it all up in a shower curtain and they went off very happy 
<laughs> That's perfect. I know. I think, unfortunately, we're almost at our time because I need to be able to keep it under a certain time. Otherwise, we can't All right. post it. It's been fabulous to see you. And, well, I guess I'll see you probably later today because I'm actually <laughs> heading to the studio. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Kate. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Have a great day. So that was wonderful. Thank you so much. That's always, oh, of course, I could talk to Lisa forever, but uh, thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions or anything or other things you want to know about or other artists you might want to hear about, then certainly let me know. That would be super fun. And just to let you know, coming up next week for my 12th week, so that'd be three months, is Kat Stambolic. So she does really interesting 3D art. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how she does that. And then we've got Corinne Kokolakis, who does a lot of, she comes to her art from a more academic point of view, which is going to be really interesting, I think, to talk about as well. And then uh, Sherry Hart. So uh, that's kind of our upcoming sessions. This one will be also posted on Facebook, so you can be able to see it. And I'm also in the process of actually putting everything onto my YouTube channel and then separating the audio. So if you want to listen to it as a podcast instead of a video, that would be cool too. So thank you so much. Hope to see you next week at 11 o'clock and have a fabulous day.